And so I'm really enjoying that focus. Now we're going to have it read first, that passage. So Kate's going to read chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. Um, if we'd like to just uh, turn there or um, uh, get ourselves ready to listen. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thank you very much. I think at the end, that's like a mission statement by Jesus. Mm. I've come to call sinners. I've come to call the unclean. That's why... I've come, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Bit of a mission statement by, by Jesus Christ here. So I think this passage unpacks that. That's at the end of that section. And the rest of what we see here unpacks that um, statement by him right there. So through chapter 5, uh, like I talked about last week, we've had various breaking of things. So uh, Peter got to breaking point in Barry's sermon, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, before Jesus. Jesus breaks barriers by touching the leper earlier on in this chapter. Then last week we talked about the, the fact that the friends of the paralyzed man were breaking tiles, breaking a roof to get through. And now I think what we see today is Jesus breaking taboos. There are many taboos in our society and in the day, uh, in the time of Jesus. Jesus is breaking taboos right here. Levi is the man that he calls to follow him. Levi, who the parallel passage of Matthew names as, uh, names as Matthew. So it seems that's the same person. So Levi would be um, his um, Hebrew name, and Matthew would have been his Greek name. Often people in that time had a Greek name and a Hebrew name. So it seems it's the same person. He's a tax collector. Um, tax is always an emotive issue, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. You, I, mean, so I don't know how many people just vote for the political party that they think will lower taxes the most. Yes. <laughs> uh, it may not actually happen, but uh, it's a very emotive thing when people go on. No politician, I just I can't remember a time when a politician has ever run for office saying, I'm going to increase tax. Amen. We wouldn't have said amen. But you know what I mean? Right? <laughs> They took London, they seized London from the Romans, 
about 80,000 people died in the revolt. Eventually, the Emperor Nero sent some legions and crushed the revolt uh, because he wanted his taxes. I mean, I mean, it's all about money. Taxes are a very emotive issue. Uh, some would argue that the United States exists today as, as not as a colony of the British Empire, but as an independent country because of tax issues that they uh, were not happy about. It, it changes history, tax change, and it's very, very emotive, even recently, because we hear about uh, the upset, people are upset by the fact that certain corporations don't seem to be paying tax. Uh, Google was it this week, said they would pay some tax. Facebook. Facebook are now going to pay some, are they? Maybe. Uh, I heard Google are going to pay about 130 million in tax. Some people think that's not enough. I, I don't know, but here we have the tax collector, and Levi is the tax collector, sitting at his tax booth. Now, I've got a question for you. Jesus goes to him, says to him, sitting there at his tax booth, follow me, and Levi does so. Now, let me ask you this. Why is Levi the wrong kind of person for Jesus to call to follow him? What do you think about that, that question? Why might, G, why might Levi be the wrong kind of person to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Simon? He's not going to be very popular. <laughs> He's not going to help his cause. Tax collectors are not very popular. Why call someone to follow you that's going to be disliked? Yeah? He's not going to help his cause. Why would he help his cause? No, he's not going to help his cause. Because you don't, sounds like a hindrance. Come follow me. Christ, and then we'll follow you. Need my money. You take my money. You might take your money. I'm show you a bit of hand. You know. <laughs> 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 Say in the sermon that um, the tax collectors were banned from uh, synagogues, uh, so they were considered either unclean or whatever, but the religious leaders at the time wouldn't allow them in a holy place. That was co commonly the case. Exactly right, yeah. He was also seen as colluding with the Romans. Mm. And like, you know, on kind of against the population. And then people thought that Jesus as the Son of God was going to overthrow the Romans. Right. So you've got the sense of, hang on, but, you know, that doesn't make sense. So, from the outside, it exactly. might have been, you know. He's a collaborator. He works with the enemy. Yeah. The, the evil, oppressive force. Yes, that's right. I mean, the Romans were hated occupiers of Israel. And when Rome picked a tax collector, they, they, it was like a franchise. You bid for it. And uh, so it's not like you were appointed like a civil servant. If you were a tax collector and you were selected, it meant that you were the best at collecting taxes of all the possible candidates, which meant you were ruthless, you didn't care. Have any of you been watching the, the, the series Dickensian? Yes. The, the, the character of Scrooge in that, or if you've read Dickens. I mean, totally heartless people. This is someone who doesn't care about you, has no compassion. If you end up in the debtor's prison, separated from your family, he does not care. It's not just a technical thing, he doesn't care. So these were the most effective, most ruthless. They were often, the Romans picked the lowest of the low from the culture to be tax collectors. The reason they did that is the Romans wanted the people to hate the tax collectors rather than the Romans. It was a diversionary tactic. Hate the tax collector, they'd be less bothered by the Romans. And also, the tax collectors had to work with Herod, who was a hated king, no one liked Herod. And also he had contact with Gentiles, which connects with what you were saying, Barry, which meant he was unclean. 
So he couldn't go to the temple. Uh, he wasn't supposed to be around other uh, faithful Jewish people. So the wrong person, you know, I think about that. It, it's just if you were Jesus, surely this is not the person you would pick. It's, it doesn't make sense. So that's the first thing. Now the second thing is, the second question is, why is this the wrong time and place to call Levi to be a disciple? <laughs> why in this passage is it the wrong time and the wrong place, particularly the wrong place, to pick him, to call him to be a follower of Jesus? Jesus is going along and says, come and follow me. Why is it the wrong time and the wrong place? Well, Have a think work. about that. Hmm? He's at work. He's, he's at work. He's busy. All right. I mean, he's busy. He's busy with his work. It's like someone walking into your office and saying, excuse me, follow me. That would be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Okay, anything else? Imagine being someone trying to persuade Levi not to follow Jesus. How might you say, no, don't follow him? What might people have said as a friend, maybe a co-worker, perhaps he had some co-workers with him, or said, no, 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 don't do that. He's going to be financially disadvantaged by leaving his tax collector's booth. It's not going to make money that day. Exactly. It's going to cost you money. Yeah, it's going to cost you your job. Okay, anything else? Maybe, what about Jesus himself? to God when? 
and it might be helpful to us to re-examine our assumptions about what is the right time and the right place to, in quotes, share our faith. And I mean, in the broadest sense, being someone who talks about the gospel with people or talks about Jesus with people, maybe it is on the train, maybe it is at work at the desk next to you, maybe it is the stranger, maybe it's the person who doesn't look like we think, they don't look like they might be interested. I don't, maybe think about this, what are my assumptions? I, I like to talk about Jesus when I've got time. When, when we can sit down, I don't like talking about things when I'm standing up, well, preaching maybe, but, uh, you know, talking to people, I want to sit down, I want a quiet environment, I, I have all these assumptions, but maybe I should be willing to talk to, about Jesus in other contexts. Why, do, why might we hesitate? It's an interesting thing. And he gives up everything. It says he got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. A total commitment, a connection there with repentance that Jesus talks about at the end. I've called sinners to repentance. This is a, a sign of repentance that he leaves everything and follows. It's a, a symptom or a, a sign of that. I admire Jesus for his courage. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I think Jesus' courage is the thing that perhaps we can imitate. Because he goes to talk to Levi at work, causes a commotion for sure, and risks tarnishing his reputation. But he cares more about Levi than he cares about his reputation. And he cares more about Levi than he cares about the reaction of other people around him. Seems to me that's certainly a big thing for me, not to care about other people's reaction if it's the right thing to do. Others and things like that in our lives to think about. So that, the first thing we see there, I think, is this uh, call to follow. And the second thing is that there's the scene in Levi's house. A great scene, isn't it? Verse 29. Levi held a great banquet at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Have you ever had your house so full it's bursting at the seams? You know, it's just, you, your people can't get in the door. The Makinson's house seems to be like that all the time. Uh, Pretty much every time we go around. Kids. I think it's the number of children. Okay? <laughs> Add anybody in there, that along with the children and the cats, and then uh, it's crowded. But, but and you hear about sometimes these Facebook parties, you know, people talk about their party on Facebook and everybody turns up and trashes the house. And I don't think it's quite like that, and let's not do that. But, but this is the scene. It's Levi's at his house. And it's probably a nice house, because tax collectors were pretty wealthy. We see another tax collector, Zacchaeus, later on in, the, in Luke. And yeah. Interesting Bible study, if you want to do it, is compare and contrast those two stories about this tax collector and Zacchaeus, but we'll preach on him another time. And his house is big, and the, the, the night, the torches and the candles are burning, and everybody's there, and all the tax collectors and all the, other, all the others who are like them are there eating together. Jesus is there. They're all having a great time. So let me ask you this question. What does the banquet at Levi's home tell you about his response to Jesus? What does it tell us about his response to Jesus calling him to leave his tax collector's booth and follow? He's very thankful. He's very grateful, very thankful. He wants to share what he's now got and learned. His relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Well, I get the feeling of without shame. No shame. Without embarrassment. Yeah. Without thinking, other people are going to think about me. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm saying yeah. that, I guess, because it, it touches me, you know, the feeling of what are, what are the neighbours going to think? You know, if we have a big church party at our house and people start singing songs and guitars playing, you know, it's, <laughs> that sense of, mm, 
and I have to look at them yeah. the, the next morning again. That's shh, you know, embarrassing. Especially if it's a semi-detached or a terraced house. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a dog normally keeps people up anyway. But it's just, what, what are people going to think? He had none of that. He had no embarrassment. Doesn't seem like he's at all bothered about it. I also think that, you know, despite what the future might hold financially and security-wise, he has a great feast. He doesn't just say he brought out a few nibbles. He has a great feast. And he also, it, for me, I think there's goodness of hope that he invited a large company of tax collectors, other people that also might have been ostracised a little bit. There's a glimmer of hope there that this guy's accepted me. Yes. You come too. Great point, thank you. It's almost as if he wants to show his new friend off a little bit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's inviting his colleague along. Yes. He's gone. Charles has gone beyond shame to actually it's an obvious guy, something different about this guy. What he says and he speaks is different. Some some kind of inspiration from the relationship he has with Jesus has driven out the shame and any other barriers to him uh, holding this feast and sharing Jesus with the people around him. Isn't it wonderful? It, I mean as far as we know there's no command to Levi to do this. I mean I think that it would be recorded if so. Jesus doesn't say uh, are having a banquet at your house tonight, go and make preparations. Yeah. Yeah. To Zacchaeus, he says, I'm coming to your house today, but that's, that's for another time. But here, it doesn't seem to be a command. Uh, the response of Levi indicates that he got up from his tax booth and followed Jesus willingly. There was no coercion. Not like, you really need to follow me, you better follow me or else. It's, it, I don't, that, this doesn't fit, doesn't fit with that, this banquet idea. I think it doesn't really fit with that idea. Um, Jesus, his conviction did not, his conviction to call Levi did not leave Levi feeling compelled in any bad sense. He throws a party because to him, giving up everything is good news. I think that's quite profound. To him, following Jesus and giving up everything, it says he left everything, is good news. Now how can it be good news to leave your job, your finances, your, your, your I mean, why, why is that good news? Well, Jesus is doing something, something much more profound and powerful than what money can do. Something else is going on. Um, interesting thing, um, <laughs> the people who were there, the tax collectors and um, that Luke, interestingly, calls them others. The tax collectors and others were there. The Pharisees later on called them tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> That's an interesting distinction, uh, the way that they look at it. So, uh, tax collectors and others, people uh, like them. Now, of course, an interesting thing for me is this. Here's a thought that I've been, came to me, maybe I can share it with you. Which is, I guess the only people that would be comfortable being in Levi's house would be other tax collectors. Because other people not in that trade, or that kind of trade are not going to go to his house because they were hated, hard-hearted. This might be the first banquet he's ever thrown. So his mates come over, but they're the only people that will be comfortable enough to be there. The thought I had about that is that Levi had a unique harvest group that he could reach yeah. that others would not, could not or would not. Because most faithful Jewish people of the day would not go and talk about God with a tax collector. It was just not the thing to do. But Levi could do it. This is his peer group. It's his unique harvest group. 
and maybe think about what's mine. What's my unique harvest group? In other words, who do I connect with easily? Who do I relate to easily? Uh, certainly as Christians, we learn to connect with all kinds of people, and we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute. We see that in Jesus. But, but also I think there's a calling for all of us to share, share about Jesus with people that we do naturally connect with because of whatever, because of education or social standing or the kind of work we do or the kind of personalities we have, the kind of interests, hobbies we have, people in our family that we get on with well, not in big families sometimes, we don't get on with everybody equally well, but there are some we connect with perhaps, friends we connect with more than others. Who, who might that be for me? Who might that be, there be for you, people you're comfortable being around? People you understand and who know you understand them because they understand you. We connect. So I'd like to ask us to, to think and pray about that. Who are the kinds of people we fairly uniquely relate to? Are we involved with that? Are we involved with people like that? As Levi does here, collecting the people that like being with him so that he can share about Jesus with them. And I think sometimes we, we might focus so much on trying to reach people, trying to understand people different from us, which is good, that we fail to reach out to the people who are like us. Think about that. What's your unique peer group, if you like, that you could reach out to? Um, okay, and then to finish off, at the end here, verse 30 and uh, 32, just to 32, the Pharisees are not happy about this. And it's interesting that they don't talk to the disciples. They complain, sorry, to Jesus. They complain to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Just a quick question. Uh, why do you think they complain to the disciples instead of Jesus? Because it was easier. It was e why was it easier? Because they knew. They proved that. It was easier to, uh, to criticize the followers rather than the leader, especially if you know that the leader has got some good answers. Maybe they thought Jesus was going to have a good answer and uh, the disciples would not, and it was easier. To talk to them, yeah. Anything else? Get the inside track. Just sort of get the inside track. Get the inside track. Yeah. Okay. We, we know, kind of know what Jesus thinks, but what do you think? Yeah. That kind of inside, yeah. It almost undermine the confidence in Jesus of the disciples. Yeah. Yeah. A question, they question there. Okay. Why they're, why they're following him. So, so undermining him through his disciples. <laughs> I thought of that. That's a great point. Excellent. That's, how they, that's where they go. They go to the disciples and they complain. Jesus, of course, um, uh, hears about it and he gives an answer. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't like making complaints. I, I like a quiet life and if I, I just I, I avoid trying to make complaints. Um, with, I'm too British. And, uh, but the other day, I was on the phone this week to buy some train tickets. I'm going to Leicester a week Saturday to do some teaching for the Leicester Church and I was buying tickets. I was on hold for 45 minutes. 45! I mean, I put it on speakerphone and carried on doing some other things after a couple of minutes. But, gosh, gosh. Were you paying for the call? No. Well, actually, I don't think I was paying for the call. I hope not. I'll find out on my phone bill, won't I? 45 minutes on hold! And I got through to somebody, he was very nice, I bought my tickets, and I said, can I just, and I was, <laughs> I said, can I just offer an observation? Could you please feedback to your 
manager or whoever that I've been on hold 45 minutes. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry. And he was really nice about it. Uh, but even, even though I'd been on hold for 45 minutes, it still, I still got, I had to really G myself up to even make a complaint. Observation. Uh, observation. <laughs> I did say that. Can I make an observation? <laughs> Could you please give this feedback to <sighs> Anyway, I, I, it, the, the Pharisees had no such hesitation. Why is this going on? What are you doing? And we'll see this all through uh, Luke and uh, later on in the next passage as well. So here's, a, here's my question though. My, my main question with this is why is it recorded? Why is it recorded, do you think, that the Pharisees complained to the disciples? It is there, and we have some ideas about why they might have complained to the disciples, but can I ask you to think just a little more deeply as to why it's recorded? Why bother to put that in? Why not just have Jesus answering them and talking to them? Why is it recorded that the Pharisees complained to the disciples? Any thoughts? Yeah, that's what it started off. It started off? Yeah, but basically, uh, if, it, if they just left it as, as not healthy and all that, mm -hmm. uh, the people are like, well, what made Jesus say that? You know? Okay, made, made a bit of a gap there. Yeah. Any other insights? I think they're trying to gather evidence for the crucifixion of Christ. Okay, alright. Neil? Um, as a lesson for us, in today's world, to God, they do, but they also complain to us as Christians uh, about, about life. Okay. It, does, it still happens today, doesn't it? We get questioned about God and about our faith and about Jesus and why we live a certain way. And I think particularly it's recorded to, uh, to help the early church. The early church got a lot of hassle from the authorities after this. So it's encouraging, I think, to see that they were going through some things that we can relate to. People give us a hard time about our faith. The Pharisees, it says here, complained to the disciples. That's the Greek word, igoguzon, which is the same word used of the Israelites in the Old Testament when they complained to God in the desert and complained later on when they rebelled. And so it's that word that's about rebellion towards God, not just a, I don't understand this, Jesus. This is a rebellion type of question. And so Jesus says, I've come to call the sinners, not the righteous. Give me a quick definition of a sinner. Yeah. What do you think Jesus meant by sinner? Any ideas? He said, I've come to call sinners, yeah? People who know they're sinners. People who know they're sinners, yes, as opposed to People Pharisees who don't not. seem to know or think they're not. Yes, okay. People who know they're sinners. Anything else? People who would be regarded as sinners. People others would regard as sinners. There's no sinners over there. Yeah, good, okay. Anything else? Unbelievers. Unbelievers, people who don't believe, they've rejected belief. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> well, that's certainly, I think, Jesus' definition, isn't it? Yeah. Wasn't the Pharisees' definition. In the day, a sinner, technically, would have been uh, someone who would not obey the law of Moses. In that day. Someone who would not obey the law of Moses. The equivalent today, I think, is those who would choose a lifestyle different to ours, or that we would not approve of, or more specifically as a parent, that we would not want our children to imitate. <laughs> I think that's kind of how often we think, no, no, don't want my kids to be like that. They're, those people are other people who choose other lifestyles. They're the others who, whether we call them sinners or not, they're the others. 
I think that they're the people who don't share our values. People who don't share our values are the others, aren't they? I think a thought for us is, who do we know who lives in contradiction to our own values that we really genuinely love and embrace, rather than put over there or glad there, over there that we don't connect with? People who don't share my values, I find it very difficult to really embrace. What about you? Anybody in your life right now that God's calling you, perhaps challenging you to embrace, even though they don't share uh, your values? Jesus did that. These tax collectors and sinners did not embrace his values. Well, they Levi did, but you know, generally they didn't. The Pharisees stood at a distance. Jesus embraced. Went to a party. What about us? I'll, um, I'll share something with you, which I'm going to have to cut out of the video because of the nature of the sharing. But just briefly, I, I just. I don't know. I can't, I can't begin to tell you how out of my comfort zone <laughs> I felt. I just wanted to... She doesn't touch it. I couldn't I just wanted it to end. I wanted to get in my car and go home. That's how I felt. And I have another voice in my head all the time saying, rebuking me. Saying that's not nice, that's not kind, that's not loving, that's not Christ-like, and I got this other feeling of run away <laughs> fast. And gosh, it was very intense. And um, so we talked for a bit, and uh, they were fine, really. And I left, and Annette said, "So you'll give me a call." And I said, "Yeah, I'll give you a call after I've had a chance to pray, <laughs> and, and I'll do it. I mean, I will. I'll, when she's on holiday, when she gets back, I'll, I'll tell her yes, and I'll do it, and it'll be good for me." But it just really revealed to me how often I have this thing of my people and then others. And how Jesus was so unlike that. And surely it's right for us to find ways to embrace the others. And not just, you know, but from the heart. And I think God's, God's teaching me something to do with that. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to embrace these others. The courage of Jesus is extraordinary. Dealing with the Pharisees and Levi. The courage of Levi is extraordinary in uh, leaving his livelihood and inviting all these people. And the confusion of the Pharisees is instructive to us that we don't always think the way Jesus thinks. And I love the clarification here at the end of the mission of Jesus. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's called us. Let's make sure we continue to heed the call to follow. But maybe he's calling us to call others. Who might he be asking you to call, to follow this week?